0: There's a, an expression that Ashkenazim often use under the chuppah by a wedding. A very common expression. The expression is Muzeltov.? Right? It's a very common expression. We say the word mazl Somebody gets married under the chuppah, the chassan, the kala. We wish them mazl It's very interesting because the origin of this expression doesn't appear in the Gemara. Not in the Rishonim or even in the Achronim. The meaning of these words are actually unclear, because the word "muzzle" basically means, roughly translated, as "luck." So, basically, what we're telling the choson under the chuppah, "mazel tov," good luck, doesn't sound very good. Doesn't sound like a thing that we should do to wish a, a guy under the chuppah wish him a good luck. So, what's the pshah? So, I want to start with this as a little bit of an understanding, as a little bit of an agdoma. A- 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 of an introduction to what we're going to be discussing in our new series Be'ez HaShem Shiduchim, Marriage and obviously beyond there's a uh, Mechtav Melio the Talmidim of Rav Desla Rav Desla writes in, in Mechtav Melio in Chelek Dalet page 95 in the footnote he explains the word mazel does not mean luck it's not what it means it refers to an individual's unique purpose in this world. In other words, we say that a person's muzzle is to be poor, is to be rich, is to be healthy, is to be ill. You know, some people take this as an expression of a person's luck. Now, in reality, it's actually an expression of a person's purpose in this world. His tafkid, wealthy, poverty, illness, these are all examples of the tools that a person uses to fulfill his tafkid in this world. Now, when a person gets married, his new partner has to be an individual who can hopefully help him fulfill that toughness and that role, and he has to respond properly to these challenges. Now, at the wedding, that's what we're selling. That's what we're saying to them at the wedding or any other normal event. We wish people a significant bracha. We say to them, we wish you mazel tov, that you should do well in fulfilling your tafgid in this world. And I think that's an incredible introduction. Because much of what we're going to say today is very much about what, about what I just said. And I think it's an important idea to go into the sugya of marriage is to understand a little bit about that. You know, it's interesting. We would never walk into a doctor's surgery or a dentist, or a lawyer, or an accountant, or anything for that matter, unless we knew that he was trained. If we didn't know, and we were not convinced, that this doctor, this dentist, this lawyer, whatever it is, is a properly trained individual, we wouldn't go anywhere near him. Comes to marriage, boy, girl, you know, 18, 19, maybe 20, 21, of each of them, they're just thrown into one of the biggest decisions of their lives, right? There's no PhD, there's no training, there's no bachelor's, there's no test beforehand to see whether or not you're mature enough. Off you go. 18-year-old, 19, 20, 21, 22, whatever age it is, just go and get married. Now, in previous generations, you may ask, well, that was the norm, that's what people did. And, And the truth of the matter is it's true. In previous generations, there was no training, there was no hashkafa before marriage, when there was marriage shiurim and shalom bayishurim. It didn't exist. You know why? Because everything they needed, they saw and got from the home. That's what they got. Reb Chaim Friedlander, Zatzalt, the and Yeshiva, has a Gavaldigasefer, Viedatek, Alecha, and he writes over there that in our times, it's no longer sufficient. It's not enough. What people see at home isn't enough. To bring them on the journey of a successful marriage. And therefore, we need formal guidance in this matter. And he says that our young generation, again, this is Rabhaim Freeland says at Salemashkirchy Shiva. Our young people are just simply not used to dealing with the difficulties that life's challenges uh, present itself, that the previous generation was simply used to dealing with it. You know, we're just less equipped to withstand the difficult circumstances that our time brings. And therefore, um, you know, we need a lot of help in that. And a lot of but living in a generation where everything has to be instant, as we know. Everything's got to come now. I've got to be happy now. I've got to have Hanan now. That's how it is. You know, I remember a Hassan, uh, it's not. It wasn't a Hossen, He was married at the time. It was only a few weeks after the wedding. And he comes to me a few weeks after the wedding. And he says, well, I have a major problem to discuss with you. I said, what's the problem? He said, I've married the wrong girl. I said, you've been married three weeks, four weeks, that's it, she's the wrong girl, what does that mean? So we sat down for many, many hours and it came out that he had girl A always as a picture in his mind. In his mind he always had girl A, this was the girl that he was going to marry. He ended up marrying girl B and he just couldn't, he just couldn't you know, bring himself to terms with the fact that this is not the girl that he always envisioned himself marrying, even though this was a perfect girl for him. And as we'll discuss, Be'ez Hashem, how exactly to figure that out. You know, there's a lot that we have to discuss, obviously. We have to discuss the actual shidduch process, what to look for, you know, how to make sure you've got the right one, to going through the dating situation, and going through the, the beginning of marriage. Because the foundation of marriage at the end of the day is probably the most crucial. Because it sets the stage for everything that's going to follow. You know, imagine you have a building. You're building a building. You have a small crack in the foundations of that building that you're building, that's very dangerous because eventually that crack will get larger and larger. And eventually it may pose a tremendous danger for the entire building. And that's why the foundation of anything has to be very, very strong and has to be crucial that it starts in the correct way. And that's why it's important for us to understand what marriage is all about. What's the purpose of marriage? Why do we get married? And these are questions that I want to deal with as an introduction to this series. There's a lot to discuss. We're not going to get this done, obviously, in one shot. It's impossible to do that. A marriage is a lifetime, right? There's no, like, three easy steps to an easy marriage. Follow these three steps and that's it. You're happily married for the rest of your life. It doesn't work that way. It's a lifelong uh, life of work that you have to understand where it comes from. So we have to understand the Torah Torah outlook um, to marriage is completely and fundamentally very different to how the Goyim look at what marriage is. You know, it's interesting because when it comes to even other mitzvahs. If you understand uh, tfilin, then tfilin is a beautiful mitzvah. If you understand Shabbos, Shabbos is a beautiful mitzvah. Could you keep Shabbos without understanding all the deep understanding, Kabbalistic, you know, underlying principles of Shabbos? Of course you can. As long as you know you know the halachas of what yes to do and what not to do, you can keep Shabbos. Could you put on tefillin or tzitzis, or wash negel or bench, if you don't understand all the details, of course you can. You have to know the halachas, you have to know what to do, but you can basically, pretty much, fulfill the mitzvah in that way. When it comes to building a Jewish home, when it comes to getting married, a proper outlook and understanding on practical behavior in married life is very much shaped largely by the outlook that you have of life. In other words, it's impossible just to just stumble into getting married. It doesn't work that way. It needs an understanding. It needs a certain outlook. And in a very important way, the quality of our relationship will actually depend on the extent of our understanding of the significance of that relationship. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves many of the questions. Why do you have to get married? What's the purpose of getting married? What's the eise kinegdei? That we know perfects our soul. How does this work on a practical level? What does this mean? You know, to appreciate what we're saying. A person has to realize that you can't treat material matters in the same way you treat spiritual matters. You know, there's nobody going to open up a factory and say, I'm opening up a factory. Oh, that's beautiful. What are you you making? Oh, I I don't know. I didn't figure that out yet. Well, that's ridiculous. Why are you opening a factory? That makes no sense. You're not going to do that. In other words... In every area of life, people act with a basic idea of achieving a defined goal. How can you involve yourself in probably the most complex decision and act of your life, i.e. getting married, without having any idea what it's all about? It doesn't make any sense. What's the goal? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you stand to gain? What should you be trying to obtain? All of these questions you have to understand... It's like going into a university or a college and, you know, studying some higher learning. Unless you know know what you're going to major in, where are you going to get to? It's beautiful to hear lectures and it's beautiful to go, you know, hear hear these interesting things. But in the end of the day, if you don't have a goal, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to end up with a degree or any profession whatsoever. Married life is a school for personal growth and values. What may be acquired in this school is available nowhere else. Nowhere else will you get what's available in a marriage. The only problem is many people miss out on everything because they don't understand what we're trying to acquire. Now, from a Torah perspective, a marriage isn't just something that lasts for 50, 60 years, whatever it may be. It's actually eternal. It's actually an eternal relationship like the Zoya tells us through a bonus doesn't just you know, take a neshama here and throw one there and throw one there and we'll discuss a little bit about that. It's, it's, it's two halves of one neshama. It's an eternal relationship that lasts forever. Could you imagine a builder who's decided, he's undertaken to, 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 to make a very, very big building and it's a building that's going to last 100 years, 150 years. You know what he does? He invests a tremendous amount of time And energy in the stages of the planning and preparation. He has to know exactly where to place every brick. And in fact, he's not going to lay the first brick until he knows where the last brick is actually going to be. A pitiful building, one that's not going to last very long, is one that just springs up spontaneously with the attitude that, yeah, we'll do it, we'll figure it out, we'll build something, we'll put a couple of things over there, some wires, some bricks, some cement, it will be great. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You've got to devote time and energy to figure out how to build a house. And so is true of building your eternal house as well. You can't just go into a marriage and say, Yeah, we'll find a girl. She looks great. She's, you know, we, we both like chocolate ice cream, so it's probably going to be a good marriage. This is wonderful, right? This is all great. It's so interesting how people think that, you know, that's what it's all about. And you hear this all the time. Baruch am that many, many, many Talmidim of mine who i have been teaching for the number, last number of years, a lot of them are starting Shidduchim now, it's like a whole new stage, and uh, you know, I spend a lot of time on the phone at night going through different things, after the date, before the you know, what do I say, what do I react, does this mean anything, does it not mean anything, and it's so often when you hear, you know, oh, well, we're so alike, it's so nice, we're so alike, it's great, I'm like, oh, that's really nice, well, give me an example. Well, you know, we both uh, have this idea of like going out for pizza and mozzavis, and like Oh, that, that's beautiful. That, that is a great way to start a marriage. You both like pizza and a Shabbos. This is going to be a great relationship. You know, I once heard a beautiful definition of Shana rishona. What is the definition of Shana rishona? And again, we're, we're already going past ourselves. We've got a lot to discuss before we get there. But the definition of Shana rishona is taking a year to realize how different you actually are. And it takes a year or even longer to realize that. But we'll discuss that Be'ez HaShem in coming time. But I think that one of the first and most important thing that I really want to get to today, as I mentioned, today is only an introduction, just to get our feet wet, just to sort of, you know, wet the appetite to understand what we're going to be dealing with. As I mentioned, we're going to try to get into, you know, what to look for, what to make sure is there, making sure that your lists are accurate, and of course going into the actual marriage and what to expect from marriage and how to make sure that we are most likely prepared for marriage and that's why i'm doing this for you guys even though uh, most of you are not married Uh, again i can't see the screen exactly who's here and who's not here but most of the guys in yeshiva as far as i know are not married and therefore if that's the case what we have to do is we have to prepare ourselves and what better time than now to prepare ourselves to make sure that we are the best and most possible spouse that we can be um in a marriage which is incredible now let's start with one of the most important questions which i'm sure many of us have asked but maybe we never arrived at an adequate answer. Simple, fundamental question. What is the purpose of married life? And we have to clarify this. Because without an answer basically means that we're liable to miss out on one of the life's important goals. We have to ask an even more basic question. Why did the Rabbeinu Shalolem create all of humanity in the form of two genders? A male and a female male and females, for those of you that don't know, I'll just tell you now, are very different. That's how it is, just in case you didn't know that. Male and females are totally different, right? They're totally different. So if that's the case, you're making a marriage very complicated. You're taking two people that are totally different. Perhaps they grew up in different households, in different environments, even in different countries we speaking different languages. And you put them together and say, here you go, enjoy for the rest of your life. You know, why did the Rabbani create such a problem-prone system in his world? And that's a very, very fundamental question. You know, we all know Rabbi Sol Salanta's famous saying. Rabbi Sol Salanta said that it's easier to finish Shas than it is to change one character trait. Now, we know that the marriage relationship calls for a lot of work. And we'll discuss this. A lot of work on our character traits. So why did the Rebbeinushim create the situation and place upon us an incredible mission, where it's easier to learn shas, which is hard enough, than change one mida, which we have to be constantly doing when you're married? Why did the Rebbeinushim match two different people, and expect them to live together in love, peace, and harmony? And obviously, by the way, we have to define the word love, because that word has a very, very mistaken. Uh, identity. So we're going we're gonna to be going through that as well, the definition of love in a real way. Not in a Hollywood way, in a real way. We'll discuss that again. I'm just giving you a little bit of wet appetite for the what's to come. So these questions that we're asking right now lead us to the following conclusion. There's obviously a certain depth in a marital relationship that does not exist anywhere else, and therefore we have to contemplate what is the purpose of married life before we even talk about what to look for in a date, before we talk, talk talk about how to perfect ourselves, what is marriage? Right? Now, what do most people answer when you ask them that question? They say, what do you mean? Chinach. We're going to have children. Puravu. has mitzvah. Mitzvah. Depending on how long this you are, to figure this out, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but that's not really the purpose. Anyone that says that, uh, it's definitely incomplete, if not incorrect. To say that the entire purpose of getting married is just... You know, oh, to have children? That, that cannot be... I'll bring you a proof. I'll bring you a couple of proofs. Are you telling me that if somebody doesn't have children, which, as we know, unfortunately, is not always dependent on him, does that mean he wasn't fulfilling the purpose of marriage? Is that what the Rav Unisham wants from him? You know, we have all over history, that married a second or third time after becoming widowers. They were elderly. They weren't going to have children. So why did they get married? And we have even many, many Mamre Chazal, that maybe some will get to, that a man without a wife is incomplete. So what do you mean? If he has children and doesn't have the wife, so what's the, what's the purpose? Ella, there's got to be something a little bit deeper. Ruheim Vital writes that the purpose of marriage is amidus, And there's no shortcuts to this. There's no 10 easy steps to an easy marriage, even though there are many books out there that say these things, right? It's not true. Tikhan Amidus is a lifetime goal. It's a goal that takes time. And Chaim Vital says this is the entire purpose of marriage. The morale. the morale writes that the Shechina is Sheur on Shlemus. Shlemus is something that's sholing. That's what it is. Not on a half. Now, that doesn't mean that marriage necessarily is going to be a suffering way of living your life just as a way to improve yourself. Absolutely not. As will explain, the biggest tainuk that you can have, the biggest earning, the biggest enjoyment that you can have is having a happy marriage. And you can ask this to any person that's happily married. He will tell you the happiest, happiest thing in his life is to have a happy marriage. It's the most important goal. It's the most important thing. And Chazal tell us even more than that. Chazal say, A man that doesn't have a wife, He has no enjoyment. Without a wife, you have nothing. A wife is the beginning of everything. We know this from many, many places, and I'm not going to go through them now. The Rambam, for example, famously the Rambam in Hilchah's Chanukah, where the Rambam tells us that if a person has only enough money for Shabbos or for candles, for Nevis Shabbos or for menorah, then of course Nehra Shabbos wins because Shalom Bayis. Shalom Bayes is more important than anything else in the entire world. And it's a very, very important idea. You know, I often get asked by Pohrim, um generally Chassanim, let me hear a piece of advice about marriage. That's great to hear. Give me, give me, a, give me an idea about marriage. Give me a, a, you know, a tip, a tip to Sholom Bayes. It's interesting, you know, it's, it sounds like all the Hassanim ask this question. The married guys have no interest in asking that question, but the Hassanim seem to be busy with this. So one piece of advice that I'll, I'll often say, I have a whole bunch, but one I'll often say, just be aware that after you get married, there's going to be differences of opinion between you and your wife. It's, 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 it's normal. You're going to decide you want to go on such a holiday. And she's going to say, no, I'd rather not. I want to go somewhere else. You're going to decide to paint the, you know, the house one color. She's going to say a different color. How to spend your money. Many, many, many different issues. Just know that it's normal. She says, okay, thank you. So what's the advice? What do I do? So, no, no advice. I'm just telling you that it's going to happen. She said, what's the point of that? At least tell me how to deal with it. Like, what am I meant to do now? So uh, the answer is like simple. You know, let's take an example. Most of you guys are, are, are uh, looking around, I think, from America, mostly. So we'll give an American example. Imagine if you have a chasna in Lakewood. You're in Brooklyn. You're in Flatbush, and you've got a chasna in Lakewood. How long does it take to get to Lakewood? So, for example, I say to the guy, you've got a chasna in Lakewood. You get in the car. It takes an hour and a half. Is that okay? Is yeah, that's okay. An hour and a half. Okay. You know, sometimes a bit quicker. Sometimes a bit longer. Traffic here and there. But an hour and a half is pretty reasonable. Okay, what if you had a wedding in Williamsburg and it takes an hour and a half? Well, are you crazy? I'd go mad. I'd be going crazy in the car, right? Well, I said, but what's the difference? Both places took an hour and a half. Well, what's the difference? How come when you went to Lakewood, that was fine taking an hour and a half, but when you went to Williamsburg, an hour and a half was too much? So he says, what do you mean? It's very simple. When I go to Lakewood, I expect it to take an hour and a half. When I go to Williamsburg, it should take 20 minutes, 25 minutes, no, no more. If it takes more than that, I go crazy. So I say marriage is exactly the same. It all depends on your expectations. If you expect not to have any differences of opinion with your wife, you're going to have a lot of frustration, a lot of agmas nefesh. But if you go into marriage realizing that it's normal, it's fine, then you'll take those disagreements with stride. And that's an incredible idea because everything in life is about about your attitude. Everything's about expectation. What are you expecting of marriage? What is it all about? You know, the purpose of the world that we live in is to overcome our problems, right? The Mesilla Sushan writes this. The only place, by the way, that has no problems is the cemetery. That's the only place in the world that doesn't have problems, and most people don't want to be there. This world That's what it is. We work on solving problems. We work on finding solutions. That's what it is, right? Eventually you get problems. That's how, that's how life is. But it's fine because we grow from those problems. We grow from it. The very big problem that we have is what many people are missing is commitment. We're living in a generation, as we mentioned before, where, you know, if you buy yourself a pair of headphones and they don't work. So instead of going to the store, which is what you used to do to fix them. You chuck them away and order a new pair. Because I can't be bothered. I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for this. That's how it is. Now, that's fine if it's a pair of headphones. But if it's a job or your wife, that's a whole different situation. You know, there's a halacha that when you go out to war, you encircle the army. Right? You you try to, you know, surround them. The halacha is you're not allowed to encircle them from all four sides. You have to leave one side for them to escape. So someone learn pshat in the is that it's an expression of mercy. In other words, let them express, escape. Others learn it very differently. It's actually a strategy of war. When the enemy knows that, the, um, that he can escape, he doesn't put up such a fight. Because he can escape. You know? But if he knows he's totally surrounded from all sides, then there's no way he can escape. He'll pull up a, a fierce fight. We live... In a generation where people before they get married have already investigated all of the escape routes. So if it doesn't work out, then, you know, that's what Masakta's Gitten is for, right? I've heard this. I've heard this from people. It's absolutely unbelievable. You know, if you feel all boxed in and you've committed yourself and there's no easy escape, you're going to put up a fight. That's how it is. But if you know there's an easy escape, then there's no reason to make it work. There's a famous story of an atheist... Falls off a cliff. And as he's plummeting down the cliff to his death. All of a sudden a tree appears from apparently nowhere. He grabs hold of the tree. He's suspended realizing that this tree is not going to last that long. Eventually the branch is going to snap. Now he calls up to Shemayim and he says. I know I've been an atheist my entire life. But just in case there's somebody there. Could you please help me? Then I'll believe in you. All of a sudden. A heavenly voice comes out and says, sure, I'll save you. He says, great, what do I have to do? And the heavenly voice calls out, let go of the tree. And he looks around. Is anybody else out there? You know, when the, sometimes when the going gets tough, then we look for something else. If a person has the wrong perspective to what marriage is, if he doesn't really understand with a mature understanding of what marriage is all about, then he tries to escape. And that's a very dangerous thing. So, the most important thing that we have to remember is what is the purpose of marriage? The reason why the Rabbi Shalom says, Ubchayim Vital, is put us in the situation that the Rabbi created the world so that male and female, who are totally different, come from different worlds, think differently, act differently, respond differently, the emotions are different, the physical, everything is different, is so that we have the best school. To learn how to become the best person. That doesn't mean it's, so, it's all life is difficult. Life is great. If you use it in the right way. And you understand. And I'll just end tonight with one last thing. We just had said. Tell us what's the Loshon Vayichan. It should be Vayachanu. Why is it a Loshon of Singular? There are 600,000 people. Close to 3 million people. If you count the women and the children as well. What's Vayichan? Loshon Singular. So as we know Rashi tells us Chazal that when gathered by the mountain to be, to to accept that Torah the achdus that they had was incredible and that caused the Shrine to come down when you have a tremendous achdus a relationship between male and female between man and wife in a way that's healthy in a way they both understand the goals and they understand yes there are differences yes there are times that we may differ in our opinions but when you have that achdus you cause the shchena to come down. There is Hashem. Next week, we'll go more into the understanding of what exactly we should be looking for and how to make sure that we are the best possible spouse possible.